All right, let's try this again. I just ripped my mic off, so sorry about that. And I'm sorry to Ava for jumping the gun on her. So how are you guys doing tonight? You doing all right? I mean, it's, you know, when it's October and it's this nice outside, feels great outside, so it's cool to be here. Uh, my name's Barry. In case you don't know who I am, I work here at Miles City, and I got two kids that are usually here, but they're on their way to North Carolina to see their brother. And so um, they're, I think, in the wonderful hills of West Virginia right now. So, uh, but Chloe and Liam are my kids. And so I am so glad that Jordan asked me to speak tonight and come up here and talk to you guys a little bit about the Lord's Prayer, which is pretty cool because um, I'm actually reading a book about the Lord's Prayer right now in prayer, and our staff is spending time on prayer, and our church as a body is. And so I think it's so cool that Jordan has you guys thinking about prayer because prayer is one of those things that... Um, we all know we should do, but a lot of us were like, uh, yeah, I probably don't pray enough. In fact, I would say if all of us were honest, including myself, we would say we don't pray like we should or we don't pray as, as much as we think we should. Because um, there is a verse in scripture that says, hey, we're supposed to pray without stopping, pray without ceasing. And so we should always be in this constant state of prayer. So tonight we're gonna look at it. Now, when we get into this, um, you know, we are thinking about, there are some words sometimes that, um, used to be used that aren't anymore. And so we got some really old school words here. Um, how about this word right here? Crapulous. Anybody know what that means, crapulous? No? All right, here's what crapulous means. You're learning new words, so try to use these in your vocabulary tomorrow, okay? It means to feel sick after eating or drinking too much. This is like the fancy version of saying I feel crappy, okay? Crapulous. Like you had all you could eat wings at Applebee's. Well, that was a mistake in the first place. And you woke up feeling crapulous. All right? What about groke? Groke. Anybody know what groke means? My dog grokes all the time, if that's a hint. It means to watch someone silently as they eat, hoping they'll offer you some food. Some of you are very good at this. Maybe you wouldn't feel so crapulous if you offered food to your groking friends. See? There you go. All right, what about... This word, snout fair. Snout fair, not, not a pair of snouts, all right? From the 1500s, it sounds like an event for pigs, but it's a word to describe a good-looking girl. See that girl over there? What a snout fair. All right, so you guys trying to um, impress the babes, you know, just walk down the hall. Boy, you're a real snout fair, all right? What about this word, beef-witted? This means something is stupid, like all the answers I'm getting from this area right here, all right? Some of you have some real beef-witted ideas. There we go, okay? I didn't say anybody's name, all right? What about this word, kermering? Kermering. Okay, have you ever been in a class or a meeting or somewhere quiet and your stomach decides to start making loud noises that sound like whales from the ocean? That's called kermering. Okay, so we're not gonna have a quiz on these at the end. So then I went a little more modern. So I, I was a teenager in the 80s, which is a long time ago. And so here's some words that we used to use. We used to work, use the word rad. Okay, you guys are like, oh, you know, these words are not from that long ago, right? That's so rad, that's radical, it's cool. Describing something you think is really cool. How about this, uh, grody, or grody to the max? Okay, yeah, your parents probably say these, or your grandparents maybe even, all right? 
So grody to the max, that means something's disgusting. Okay, we used to tell people to take a chill pill. Right, take a chill pill. If you're saying that, it's from the 80s. Okay, yep, it's from the 80s. All right, we know what that means. And then you guys know that language changes all the time. I mean, think about not too long ago, the word sus was really cool, right? Right? Didn't know, don't even shake your heads. No, you all used it, but now it's no longer cool. Right? We no longer use the word sus because it's no longer cool. All right? So there's all kinds of words out there. I used to have a friend, believe it or not, when I was in high school, you know, the, the thing right now is you have be real. I used to have a friend in high school that would say that all the time. Like you would say stuff to her and she would be, know you were lying and she'd say, just be real. And just think all the money she could have made if she would have held on to that or trademarked that statement. Like she'd be a bazillionaire right now because literally all the time she would say to us, just be real, all right? And now we've got apps named Be Real. But the reason we're talking about that is sometimes there's words used, especially when we read scripture, Sometimes there's words used that maybe we don't understand, and really, the Lord's prayer starts out with some words that probably you've never used, you're not gonna use, and so tonight, we're gonna tackle the first part of the prayer, but last week, Joe kinda talked to you about what this led up to, why we should pray, why it's important to pray, and I think he talked a little bit about even what prayer is not, so just to get us back in the groove, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter number six and verse number nine where it says this. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not pray like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is Jesus talking. He's talking to the disciples. So this is words straight out of Jesus' mouth. So verse number nine, he says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, as we think about the Lord's Prayer, some of you, you can quote the Lord's Prayer. Some of you, you might have learned this as a kid, Maybe you grew up in a church that some churches, they quote this every service, like you go in and you quote the Lord's Prayer and you think about what it says. Some of you might be real familiar with these words. Okay, but the purpose of what Jesus was telling the disciples wasn't to learn this verse like it was some magical verse, like, hey, if I quote this verse and I say it word for word and I say it perfectly, then God's gonna answer all my prayers. That's not what the purpose of this prayer was. What Jesus was trying to do was to create a model for which us to pray by. Okay, you guys know what models are. When you build something, they might build a model that you're trying to copy. My oldest son, Caleb, loves Legos, and so he would have instructions that would tell him how to build whatever came in that box. But you don't have to stick with exactly what, in fact, sometimes there'd be different parts you could put on the things that you were building. Some of you might have put models together in your lifetime. I remember when I was a kid, like models of cars and things like that, putting together, painting all the parts, that was really cool to do. Now it's kind of like, ah, whatever, old people do that. I'm an old person, but I don't do it because I was never good at it. But this isn't like some magic prayer, like, hey, if you walk out of here tonight and you learn these words word for word, man, you are gonna be the number one Christian. That's not what this is. This is more of, hey, 
This is a model, and so if you understand what's being said in these words, then you know how you should pray. So then when you go home tonight and you pray before you go to bed, or maybe when you're driving home you spend time with God, or maybe when you get up in the morning, a great time that I like to pray is in the shower. You start thinking about, hey, what's the model of prayer? What should I be saying? How should I be talking to God? And yeah, you can quote this to him, but if you don't know what it means, it's kind of worthless. For instance, I speak English not very well, but it's the only thing that I really speak. Now, I could memorize some phrases in another language, but I might not know anything of what they say. There was a few years ago, we went somewhere with Maki. Maki is our Japanese pastor, and we give Maki a hard time, and he knows that none of us speak Japanese. And so we're always asking him, hey, teach us some Japanese words. Now, if you're like me, you know that on your phone, you can get a Translate app that if they talk into it, it'll tell you what they're saying in English. So we're at a restaurant, and we're telling Maki to tell us a phrase. So he says some phrase in Japanese, and we're all practicing it. We're like, hey, what does that phrase mean? So Maki goes, it means you're very wise people. And for some reason, I didn't believe him. Because Maki, we've given Maki a hard time, and so he, this was his chance. So I pulled out my phone, and I got the Translate app up. I said, talk into the phone and say what you're telling us to say. So Maki got the phone, and he's real quiet. He says, now, I knew Maki was not saying into my phone what he was telling us to say. I'm like, no, say it again. And so like literally for 10 minutes, he kept taking my phone and he'd whisper into it real quiet. And he wasn't saying, and I say, so tell us the phrase again. And he'd say a phrase and we'd say it back. He goes, yeah, very good. Basically what he was telling, then we called Maki's wife. But Maki spoke to her in Japanese, so we didn't know what he was telling her. He told her to lie to us. So she lied and said, oh yeah, that means you're very smart Americans or something like that. When in fact, what Maki was telling us to say was, you're like dumb redneck hicks or something like that. It was hilarious, but he thought it was great, but we didn't know. Why? Because we could memorize a phrase, but if we didn't know what it meant, what good is it? So he was hoping we'd walk, talk up, walk up to some Japanese person and try to say that phrase to him and say, I'm a dumb redneck hick. And then they would laugh and we were like, what? I just said I'm a great American or something like that, you know? And they'd be like, no, that's not what you said. And sometimes we memorize things. You guys have memorized things for school that you know you're never gonna use again, but you know, if I memorize this, I can get a good grade on this test. And so you memorize it and you puke it out onto the piece of paper and you walk out and like, ooh, I got 100. And then two days later, we can ask you what it meant. I have no idea, I just memorize the answer. So we're hoping as we go through this and you guys look at the Lord's Prayer that this isn't something that you just memorize and say, hey, I can say the Lord's Prayer by memory. Great, what does it mean? I would rather you know what it means than be able to quote it back to me. So before we jump into just this first phrase tonight, let's ask God to be with us. Let's pray and talk to him, all right? Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight that you love us. We thank you that you care about us. Thank you for scripture. God, I just ask that over the next few minutes you would remove the distractions from our hearts, from our minds, that we'd be able to hear what you have to say to us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I pray because I want something. How many have ever prayed because you want God to do something? All of us. And that's not always a bad reason to pray. Okay, God loves for us to ask him things. But this model of prayer that God starts out, starts out a little bit different. Um, 
Go back, Autumn, go, de- go to the next slide where it says, where it has a little bit highlighted. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this then. So the first phrase he says is this, our father in heaven. Now, most of us, when we pray, we might say, dear heavenly father, we might say God, we might say Jesus, but it's almost like we're getting his attention because if we just jump into it, obviously he won't be paying attention, we think, so we gotta say, Father, hey, I'm talking to you. But sometimes it's just like a phrase like, oh, that's the official way to start the prayer to God. Just like if you start a letter, dear whatever, and you put their name, whoever you're writing to. Oh, this is just the official thing. This doesn't really mean anything. It's just getting God's attention so he hears us. Like God needs us to get his attention. Really what we need to stop and think about is what, what does this mean that we get to say our Father in heaven? The idea is that, listen, God is our dad, and when we say our Father in heaven, what we're saying is, Dad, I need something. Now, some of you know my daughter very well. Her name's Chloe. She's in a junior, and Chloe's personality is a lot like mine, okay, unfortunately for her, okay? I'm just telling you straight up. She got gypped on personality because she takes after me, Okay? Now, Chloe, one of the things that you admire and also can't stand about her is she's very direct. She like cuts, she doesn't fluff up nothing. It's not like, hey, I'm gonna really be sweet. Like if she wants something, you know what she says? She goes right for it. Today, they're getting ready to leave. So she had some tests at school, she got out early. And so she tells her mom, I'm on my way home. And then the next text says this, is there food at home? Now, you gotta know Chloe to know that she don't wanna know how my wife's doing. She doesn't wanna know how her day's been so far. She doesn't want anybody to know that she's excited to go see her brother. She don't care nothing. She wants to know, is there food at home? You know why? Because she's hungry. She could have said, hey, I have my own car. I have two jobs. I could buy my own food. Hey, mom, would you like me to stop by somewhere and get you something to eat? I'm hungry. I'm gonna get myself something to eat. Nope. Is there food at home? And you think, oh, she didn't mean that when she texted. She meant exactly that when she texted. Ask her friends sitting over here if that's how Chloe is. Chloe is to the point. If she wants something from me, it's not, Dad, boy, I sure do love you. Dad, you are the greatest dad ever. I'm so glad that I'm your daughter. Dad, I need money. Right to it. It would be nice if she, my daughter hates physical contact, which is good in some ways because then I don't have to worry about her messing around with boys. But she hates it to the point that she won't even let me or her mom hug her. She hates hugs. If you ever hug Chloe, it's like hugging a dead fish. (laughs) Give me a hug. I'll pick up her arms, I'll put them around, and this is exactly like this. Why? Because to her, what's, what's the need for that? It'd be nice if she'd come up and give me a hug and tell me how much she loves me, give me a kiss on the cheek, I've never got a kiss on the cheek from my daughter, not since she was like five. And it's weird because when she was little, she was so sweet and cuddly. I have pictures of her. She had these cute, pudgy cheeks, and now she's like, me. <laughs> she's not. I love Chloe, and I told you, she takes after me. But you know what? When we know God, when God is our father, sometimes we forget that, hey, God is our dad. He loves when we refer to him as our dad. He loves that. He loves being our dad. 
He loves taking care of us. He loves providing for us. And the great thing is Jesus said, hey, listen, when you ask something, when you pray to God, the first thing you wanna say is our Father. Hey, Dad. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, first, he's your dad if you're part of the family. I'm gonna be honest, if any of you walk up to me tonight and say, hey, Dad, it's kinda weird. It's a little odd, a little strange. Okay, you're not my kids. And some people, they wanna refer to God as their father, they wanna refer to God as their dad, but they don't have a relationship with them. They've never been born into the family. And then some people that have been born in the family still act like they aren't part of the family. Some people, they get adopted later on in life and they've had a rough life, and they feel like, you know what, I'm never really part of this family because they adopted me in. And some of us, we live our Christian life that way. We think, well, God says he wants to be my dad, he wants to be my father, but we don't understand that all we have to do is ask him if we need something. We don't have to lie to him, we don't have to steal from him, we don't have to trick him. He loves to give to us, we just need to get to the point. Because he's our dad, and he loves us. 1 John 3, verse number one says this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John says there's a difference between those that know God as their father and those that don't. But if we know God as our father, if we're part of the family, he loves to provide for us. He loves us. So before we start getting into prayer, the first thing we need to stop and think about is, hey, God is my father. God is my dad. You say, yeah, but you don't understand. I don't have a good picture of a dad. Told you I was reading some books on prayer, and one of the things that they said in one of these uh, books that I'm reading is, instead of looking at God through the lens of our earthly father, we need to look at our earthly father through the lens of God. Because God's the perfect dad. God doesn't let us down. God doesn't disappoint us. God doesn't leave us. God doesn't forsake us. God doesn't forget about us. God is the perfect dad. Your your earthly father is always gonna screw up. He might treat you the best, but there's gonna be times that he messes up. Why? Because he's a sinner. But God loves us so much, he never lets us down. And so when we start praying, when you pray, when you say heavenly father or dear God or whatever, Don't forget to think about who God is. He's our dad. Don't forget that. It's not just some introductory phrase to try to get his attention. We have God's attention. He knows exactly what's going on in our life. So our Father who art in heaven, the verse goes on and it says, hallowed be your name. There's a word. How many have used the word hallowed lately? Or hallowed? Anybody? I've never used it except when I'm preaching. We got one guy down here and I, I kind of doubt it, all right? Just being honest. I feel like you're gonna raise your hand no matter what I ask, all right? <laughs> Hollowit is not a word that we use a lot. In fact, ever, <laughs> okay? Kind of like some of those words I told you that I can't even remember what they were or what the definition was. That's why I had it typed in my notes. All right, something about a Beef face or something means a girl's good looking, right? What was that one? I forget, all right? Beef jerky, yeah, all right, no. What was it? Snout fair means she's good looking, right? Snout fair. What is snout fair in here? You ladies are a bunch of snout fairs, all right? That's a compliment, all right? There you go, thank you, all right? 
So when we pray, first of all, we establish who God is. He's our father. Hey, God, you're my dad. But then we gotta think about hallowed be thy name. Now there's two parts to what hallowed means. Okay, the first part of what it can mean is it's saying that God is most beautiful. Most beautiful. What we're saying is, God, you're better than anything else. So we call him dad, say dad, and now we say you're the most beautiful. You're the best. You're the best there is. There's no one better than you. Now I would say that most of us in here, if I were to ask you, do you think God is the best? We know the right Christian answer would be yes. Oh yeah, yeah, God's the best. But many times in our life we forget to live that. We forget that God is the best, that he has our best interest at heart. Why? Because we, we, we look for things to substitute for God. We look for happiness in other places than God. We look for satisfaction in other things other than God. And what we're saying is, your name isn't Hollywood because I don't think you're the best. And Jesus is saying, hey, first of all, we're gonna say, remember God's our dad, and then second, we're gonna say he's the most beautiful. But not only is it talking about the most beautiful, it's also talking about he's the most worthy. He's the most worthy. Everything is about giving honor to his name. God, you're the best, and you're worthy of all the attention. You're worthy of all the attention. If there was a movie being made, God would be the star. He'd be the main character. We would just be like these side characters. In Star Wars, the first one, there was this guy that sacrificed his life for Luke Skywalker. He jumped in front of something and, and saved Luke Skywalker's life. Probably most of us, unless you are just the biggest geek in the world, could not tell you that guy's name. Except for this guy that raises his hand for everything. But most of us, we have no idea. You know why? Because that guy wasn't the main character. Guess what? In our life, you know who should be the main character? Not us. God. We want him to be the star. We want people to see him when they look at us. We want people to talk about him instead of us. That's what it means when you say Hollywood. Now that doesn't mean that when you pray you gotta say Hollywood because it's not a word we use, but we could say, God, you're worthy of everything. God, you're better than anything else I could ever want. It's this idea of adoration. Do you know what adoration it means to adore somebody? Adoration over petition. Before I ask God what I need, I'm gonna let him know how great he is. You know, the few times that my daughter does butter me up, you know, I'm a lot more apt to say yes to her. The problem is she's like me, so I know she's full of baloney when she does it, okay? But it still makes me feel good inside when she says I'm, I'm the best dad around. It still makes me feel good inside when she tells me she loves me. And don't you think our Heavenly Father deserves that sometimes? So many times... When we go into prayer, we're right into, God, I really need you to do this for me. God, you better do this because I'm in trouble. God, I need to pass this test. 
God, I need to get this job. God, I really like if this boy or this girl would like me. God, if you would just take care of me. And so many times we forget to say, you know what, God, you're better than any of this. You're worthy, God. I want your life. I want you to be the star of my life, not me. Start with adoration, then go to petition. One more phrase tonight, and then we're done. Next phrase says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Again, I, 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 well, here we are two lines into the Lord's prayer and we haven't talked about anything I need. You see this model that Jesus is setting up for us? Hey, our prayer shouldn't start with us. This idea of your kingdom come and your will be done, it's like there's two sides to it. First of all, your kingdom come is kind of proactive. What we're saying when we say your kingdom come is God, I want you to come into this mess that I'm living in because only you can straighten this mess out. Only you can. God, I need you in my life. Being proactive. God, I need your presence here on earth. Man, our earth is a mess right now. Our world is a mess. We need God to step in and be a presence. We need him here, God. I need your presence not only in this world, though. I need your presence in my life. I need you here because without you, I'm a mess. It's a proactive idea. Then when you say your will be done, you know what that's the idea of? That's an idea of surrender. What's this? And this is a hard one because this is gonna catch a lot of you. You're not gonna wanna do this. But what we're saying is, hey, your way's better than mine even when I don't get my way. That's hard. Eugene Peterson, he's the guy that wrote the message. He, he put it this way, in the morning, we have this idea of your kingdom come. God, today, I want you to be present in this mess that I'm walking through. I need you in my life. And then at the end of the day, we come and say, God, your will be done. Things didn't go the way I thought they should, but guess what? Your way is better than my way, and I'm gonna trust you. That's hard. Because sometimes bad things happen to good people, and we're like, why is this? Why is this going on? Why did I get dumped today? Why did my best friend say something horrible about me? Why did the test that I spent a lot of time studying, why did I go in there and fail? Why in my speech today did I stutter and I don't know what I said and I did horrible? Why are my mom and dad fighting tonight and talking about divorce? I don't want that to happen. Hey God, I want your will be done because your way's better than mine even if I don't get my own way. So when we think about prayer, when we start praying to God, when we start talking to God, the first thing we need to think about is, hey, we wanna honor God for who he is. We wanna honor God for who he is. Sometimes that might be as far as you get in prayer. You might get carried away and start thinking about who God is, and man, you just jump into it. You know what, if you stop there, it's okay. That's a good prayer. If you don't remember anything else about how you should pray tonight, you say, man, that's a lot of stuff to remember, and it is. Then remember this phrase, God, we want you to be God. When I start a prayer, God, you be God. I'm not. 
That's tough. Because I don't know about you, but I like being in control of what goes on in my life. I do. I don't want to find out any bad things happen in my life. I don't want that to happen. I want to be in control. Ava got up here and she talked about how her mom doesn't know Jesus, but she's trusting God to bring her to her. That's hard because if Ava had her choice, she'd want her mom to get saved tonight. That's hard. Troy's here tonight. His wife is sick. If Troy had his way, he'd want his wife to be better tonight. That's hard. Some of you, if people knew what was going on in your life right now, it would crush us. Some of you are facing really hard stuff in your life right now. And if it was your way, you'd say, God, I want this fixed right now. But when we pray, you know how we should start it? God, you be God, not me. You're in control, I'm gonna trust you. You wanna be a radical prayer? You wanna really get a hold of God in your prayer life? Let God be God and learn to trust them no matter what. For some of you, that might mean you have to become a child of God for God to hear any of your prayers. You know, scripture teaches that the only prayer that God hears of unsaved people is the one of salvation. He doesn't have to answer any other prayers. You gotta come to God first. For some of you, you need to make God the God of your life. Tonight, when you go to group, you may need to talk to somebody about, hey, I wanna make, I wanna make Jesus my dad. I wanna make God my dad. I wanna have a relationship with him. What does that mean? But for the rest of us that know God, how many times do we wanna be God in our life? Think about how you pray. Maybe you don't even pray. But when you do, is it all about you? Let me, let me ask you this. Don't answer this out loud. Just think about this. The goal of us as Christ followers is to see other people come to Christ. Go you in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That should be the goal of every Christian is to tell other people about Jesus. If we were to go off who we prayed for last week or how many times we prayed and asked God to bring people to himself. How many people would know Jesus today because you prayed for him last week? When I read that, I got convicted. Because I feel like last week I prayed more for what I wanted than for people to know Jesus. So God, you be God. Not me. Not my wants, not my desires. I'm trusting you because you're a dad that loves me unconditionally and you have my best at heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight that you love us and that you care for us. Thank you for being our dad. Thank you for being a father that loves unconditionally. God, we don't deserve your love, but we are so thankful for it. Thank you, God, for caring about us. Thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you for, Lord, just loving us through everything that we walk through. So many times we fail you. So many times we ignore you. So many times we demand things of you that we really shouldn't. And Lord, we're so grateful for your grace and your mercy. Lord, help us to be young people that pray and adore you.
I ask that our prayer would be, God, you be God. Lord, if there's kids here tonight that don't know you as their Savior, I ask that your Holy Spirit would draw them to yourself and would convict them and let them know that you love them and that they need to have a relationship with you. Well, thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.